When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I have got one of my favorite guys of all time. Kevin McHale is in the house. The big girls love that. Chicks love the last shot opportunity. Somebody give me a napkin so I can wipe my mouth. Ah. How you doing, big guy? I'm really doing good, Max. It's uh, it's, it's fun to do this. I, uh, you know, since you asked me to do it, I've been thinking about all the stuff we went through, and it, it's it's pretty amazing. You know, I you know I don't think I appreciated it enough, Max, when we were doing it. Just the unique group of guys we had, the high IQ. That's I always go back to, man. Every guys, I, like, I got there. I called my friends in Minnesota. I said, let me tell you something. These dudes are different. They know how to play. I don't know what you jokers were doing. But, like, you know, everybody on that team had a really high basketball IQ. So everything you did just happened. You know, like, like you'd make yeah, it. Wait a minute. Ter- Terry Dubrod there had a high basketball IQ? Well, okay, let me see. Most guys on the team had a really high basketball IQ. Okay, hold on. The majority. <laughs> I, I there was so many things that like memories rush when I talk to you about things. But I saw you the other day with Dr. J, yeah. and uh, saw your interview with him, and I, I I laughed because I think we were down three one, and and I love what you said. You were so honest. She was like, and when we finally beat him, he was like, I don't think we thought we could beat you. <laughs> when we beat you, it was like, yeah, we won. Yeah. Well, I remember the first time we played against Dr. J. So we go down there and it was a different vibe. We go into Philly. You know, we were always fun and loose and everything. I'm a rookie now. We go into Philly and you guys are quiet. So I'm looking around going like, damn, when you're quiet, I'm like, you know, you're not saying a word. ML's not saying a word. So I'm thinking, you know, boy, these guys are got a different, uh, different vibe about playing Philly. So we go out there to play Philly. And I, I will say one thing. I tell everybody out there, you and ML did such a good job with me being a rookie. I had never seen these guys before. I'm trying to defend them. You guys helped me so much, like push him left, do this. And sometimes your help was, uh, he's on fire, you're in trouble. But (laughs) but I remember that night, ML and you said, hey, Kevin, you got to make Dr. J go left. So I'm thinking, well, hell, that doesn't sound that hard, you know? So I get up on him. He goes by me right-handed the first time. And you guys are like, hey, got to push him, make him go left. I get up on his right side so far. He goes left and dunks it back over his way like this. I came over the bench, and you and ML said, I didn't say it was easy. I just said you got to make him go left. <laughs> I, I, I love those the- guys. He was one of the guys, Max, that I that I idolized. So it was funny playing against those guys. But it was great being with you guys because you guys kept everything fun, competitive, 
But you know, there was I never honestly I never thought as a rookie I was never overwhelmed at all because you guys were always you guys were all better than I was. I was trying to figure out what the hell I was doing. And you guys helped me so much, it was just amazing. I I tell people who our arch enemies were. And for you and I, it was Robert Parrish and Larry Bird. Because yep. every day in practice, it was me and you together, okay? <laughs> we got to go at these bitches today. <laughs> and it was, it, it was like, I, I think back on, I'm like, man, that was unbelievable basketball. When you think about those Hall of Famers and basketball IQs and the way guys play. But with the way you and I got together and played against Larry and Robert, those were battles, man. Yeah. That, that was fun. And you know what? It was really competitive. So when we started playing, man, you know, the, the, we, we, we might have had a lot of fun and laugh and joke around. Mm-hmm. But when we started competing, it was dead serious. You know, we had a lot of times where we're MFing each other. We're screaming <laughs> at each other. It's just the you know, practices were fun. But the one thing I realized guarding all you guys, you guys had – Larry wasn't at this – Larry was only in second year. But you and Robert had your games down. You, you were going to drive and spin. You know, you, you knew what you were going to do. Robert had that damn pterodactyl shot. I started blocking that thing. I used to, I used to always say, okay, I'm going to get it today. And I would jump. And I never blocked his jumper ever. And I played with the guy for 12 years. I never blocked his jumper once. And, but you guys knew exactly what you were going to do. Larry was just clever. He hadn't, you know, he hadn't really defined his game at that point, Mac. But he was coming off picks and doing that stuff. So when you and I would get after him, it was fun. Because you and I were two of the better defenders on the team. Yeah. And so... And I think we both had the same attitude about it. We're going to make guys take tough shots. That was kind of our, our approach defensively. And so we make those guys say, the problem is they made tough shots. That's why they're in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> I, you know, you speaking of the Hall of Fame, I was so happy when you were inducted. And I was more surprised when you mentioned my name in your Hall of Fame speech. You know, another guy I'd like to thank is Cedric Maxwell, my old man, Cornbread. He, uh... But I tell you what, we had a lot of fun together, and, and um, you know, he, he was supportive because as, as you come off the bench, you're always taking somebody out, and normally it was Max, and he was always there with, a, you know, a pat on the rump saying, hey, big fella, go out there and get to work, and, uh, you know, that was, a, that was great to play with guys like that. And... And, and people didn't know just how close you and I were. People said, well, Kevin came in, and, you know, and once he was there, and then he took your place, and then you were gone, I said, when Kevin emerged into the player he was I was maybe his biggest cheerleader I, I love what he was able to do because I saw a player grow yeah no, Max I tell people all the time you, you know you were so supportive and helped me in so many different ways and you know hey look at like I say my first two years it's hard in the NBA first of all I'm going to a team that went to the Eastern Conference Finals a year before I get there mm-hmm. you guys were already pretty set so I come in there and, you know, Bill Fish, he, he was in your and I's ass all the time. And so like, you know, if I made a few mistakes, I just went to the bench. I mean, so I had to go out there. I had to play really well. And I always remember, you know, when I, when I had it going, man, you'd be like, hey, keep it going. You know, you, you, you know you're, you're playing well. And there were a lot of nights, man, you don't have it going as a rookie. You know, because, hey, the league is big, man. And as I said, I came in and clearly after my first week of practice, I went, okay, Cedric Maxwell, 
better than I am, Robert Parrish better than I am, Larry Bird better than I am. I got to improve. But I took pieces of all your guys' games, you know, your ability to spin and move. Um, you know, Robert's just shooting over. I did more of a fadeaway, but I just learned how to shoot over the top of people like Robert did. And then with Larry, he was just clever. You know what I mean? Larry, Larry had all the clever stuff, you know. You know, guarding him in practice was hilarious. You know, he'd look away and he, man, that guy had more sneaky stuff. I look at him, dude, that's the sneakiest dude I ever guarded. But, you know, just playing against you guys, I tell people all the time, Max was so supportive. And, you know, when, man, when, you know, and not only with me, I mean, you, with everybody. I remember one day you took Danny, and Danny couldn't make a jump shot to save his ass. And you took him, and you worked with him. I mean, and you had him pumped up. You were going, hey, your shot looks great. He was making shots. And the first shot he got in off the bench the next game, he hit, like, the side of the backboard and went out the bounds. And you looked at me and go, all that work went down the drain. <laughs> <laughs> it was just amazing. I mean, I remember sitting there with Danny. I said, Danny, what they're going to do is they're going, they don't respect you. So what they're going to do is as soon as you pass to me, they're going to double team me because they, they, they know I'm going to score. So I want you to run to a spot. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to shoot the ball to you in the corner. Exactly what happened. He, thro- they, he throws into me. His man runs down. I throw it out to him. He spots up nicely. Hits the side of the backboard, and I know you just look to me like, all that fucking work you did. (laughs) It was it was surreal. I mean, just the the things that happened at that time. I um I want to get your your opinion on the state of affairs in the NBA because you've been a head coach, you were GM, you were player. I mean, you and now you're a broadcaster, so you've run this full gambit. How do you think the players are now, and how do you feel about it? You know, Max, I, 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 there's things I like and things I don't like. You know, I, I like the spacing. Man, we all played on top. Do you, know you know how many two- and three-foot passes we made to each other? Oh, like, my God. You pump fake and hand the ball to the guy. There were times there was all ten people in the paint. I mean, you know, not, you know and it was just we played in such a – small space and we were a post-up team you were driving yeah. you can play I posted up Robert posted up Larry would post up but what I like about the I, I look at it right now and I laugh when people say you know could, could you know good guys play right now with all the room Max that there was up there oh. you're driving oh. from the elbow and you're driving from those you know, just, you know like we're not we weren't driving from the three-point line we got it where it was one dribble lay in they yeah. couldn't stop that because it's just all spread out so I, I love this the, the way the, the um, court is spread I really don't like the way the passing is. Like, good Lord. I mean, throwing the ball ahead now, I don't know what you got to do to make a guy throw the ball ahead. I mean, you, you know, you got to yeah. beg him to just throw the ball ahead. And once you throw the ball ahead, you've turned like a five-on-five a, a five into a three-on-two, a little mini three-on-two. And if you have playmakers, the driving and kicking game is just where this game is at right now. I yeah. think. You know, yeah. and, if, and if you can get in the paint and collapse the defense, you got to make Antetokounmpo gets in the paint, either, you know, finishes – or he throws it out. And we had all kinds of guys that could get to the paint. Like, you know, I, I tell people, um, you know, all of us, you know, Larry, me, you, Robert, we could go by our guy pretty easily. I mean, you know, whether it was Robert's spin or whatever, you know, we all got by our guy. And it was always the other guy that tried to help out. Yeah, so in today's yeah. game, if we're drawing two, I mean, guys are wide open all over. So I like this space. I don't like the fact that people don't pass. And I, good Lord, they over dribble. I mean, the first time they get the ball, they back up between their legs. And I'm just going like, you know, how about, how about playing off the catch? And, you know, off the, and so I just, I, you know, I, I, and I think, Max, I think, honestly, we've given into way too much. Any three is a good three. 
No, good yeah. trees are good trees. Ooh, open trees are thank good you. trees. Thank you. Hey, Max, how about good shooters open are good threes? Yeah. Bad shooters yeah. open. The reason they're open, like you said with Danny, <laughs> that guy wasn't going to go out there. He was just going to make Danny make some shots, you know? So I see guys who really can't shoot or shoot the ball at 28%, and they'll take five threes in a game. And I'm thinking, I mean, really? Yeah. I mean, you, you, you shoot the ball at 25%. Of your, of your threes, you're lucky to make one. They're 0 for 5. And all those long rebounds are fast break starters. You know, when you get the ball and you go. And that's the other thing I think that we really ran. We, we ran when there was nothing to run because all I know is Bill Fitch yelled at me every time I did yeah. it. And he yelled at you every time, but he didn't yell at anybody else. He yelled at Robert too. But but us three were the ones that got. Whoa, well, well, why was Larry? Why was Larry immune to getting yelled at? Larry and Tiny. He, I, I noticed right away he didn't want to say anything to Tiny either. <laughs> so if I just hung around Larry and Tiny more, I'd be okay. I hung around you. I got yelled at all the time. <laughs> I um, our ability to I, run, I, Max, would have been fun yeah. in today's game. You know, our ability yeah. to run and spread the court and attack. Now we ran for twos. But layups are layups. I mean, think about yeah. how many easy shots we got in our break situation. We ran and everybody knew how to play. This episode of the Cedric Maxwell Podcast is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Now, now BetOnline.ag isn't just about sports. If you don't want to bet on sports, BetOnline has other options, such as award shows, TV shows, and reality TV. Now, real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Head over to BetOnline.ag. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore get in on the action now don't forget to use that promo code clns50 to receive your 50 percent welcome bonus with your first deposit betonline.ag head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit betonline.ag your online sportsbook experts one thing I'm, I'm mad at you about is the fact that I have had every one of these assistant coaches that you were, were under you always walk up to me and going, oh, man, Mac told me this story about you. <laughs> Chris Weber comes over to everybody tells me these stories that Kevin McHale has shared, and they're all the Cedric Maxwell stories. I'm like, what did I do now? <laughs> it was all good, Max. And I tell you what, the, the story, they all end up good. In the middle, it may not be so good, but at the end of the story, it's all good. No, I, I tell everybody, getting back to what we talked about, you were so supportive. You helped me so much. And you really helped me just on, the, on, on so many different ways in the, on the basketball floor, just kind of to find myself. Because when you're in, look, at that, I don't care what anybody says, when you're a rookie in this league, especially mm-hmm. back in the way back, it was so much more physical. I mean, you know, I remember, I remember, you know, you had Lonnie Shelton people to deal with, man. And I tell you right now, they, they would put some, they'd put some wood on your ass. And so you had a lot of stuff you're dealing with, you know, just the physicality of the game trying to figure everything out. Um, we had, you know, our offense and playing with guys and stuff like that. But I tell everybody, you know, you were just so supportive. And, you know, this just the way you guys treated me as a rookie was really, I mean, Tiny was re- really in my corner. You could feel it. Like, I'd make a couple shots and Tiny would walk up. You know, Tiny's quiet when he plays. He, he was one of the guys that never talked to any smack and stuff like that. We were all yapping and crazy. And Tiny would come up to you and go, yeah. All right, you got to go on, got to go on, real. keep it going, keep it going. I would be like, I'd be like on cloud nine. I'd be like, oh man, Tiny Archibald. I'm thinking mm-hmm. Tiny Archibald, like I'm playing with Tiny Archibald. <laughs> and then he's telling me I'm doing a good job. I'm like, hey man, I was ready to take on the world. Like, hey, it could have been Moses. I'm like, let me at him, baby. I got Tiny said I'm doing a good job. 
But you guys were so good at that. And, that. and a lot of my stories are about you guys in my first few years in the league. You, um, you've coached two great players, two really great players. You had Harden and you had Kevin Garnett. Mm-hmm. The difference between the two players are, Kevin is a pass first guy. Kevin is uh, absolute, you know, he, James is a scorer and I, you know, and there's nothing wrong with being a scorer, but scorers have a different mentality. As you know, Max, James can go out and get 10 assists any night he wants. The guy's got phenomenal vision. When he first got to Houston, when I was coaching him, he made a drive left-handed throws a bullet to the right corner from like, I went like, how the hell did he see that? I mean, it was, it was one of those LeBron James. I mean, you know, you have to have special vision, vision to see some of the stuff he sees. But, you know, I, and I used to tell the guys on the team, dude, they get a little, you know, pissy and you know, James is shooting. I said, dude, he can get 20 assists anytime he wants. He's got great vision. But what turns his clock is scoring. He's a scorer. And, you know, you've been, you've been with scorers before. Yeah. They want to see that ball go in the net, man. I don't care about, you know, if he could be, you know, 0 for 2, we could be up 25. You know, he could be happy. He could be going, tra- you know, going for 50 assists. He wants to see that ball go in. <laughs> KG was different. KG was just made the right play all the time. Like at times you'd tell KG, you're hot, just go ahead and shoot it. But someone would pop open. He just hit him. I'd be like, "Eh, well, that's what he's going to do. He was just, you know, he was, he brought he was brought up playing the game. Like you would have loved, he would have fit with our team so well. Oh yeah. If you got hot, Max, he would just keep feeding you. And he's, you know, he's, he's a interesting guy because he doesn't care that much about all the stats. And I've said this before. That dude's got 26,000 points in his career. He's a pass-first player. Max, we played with dudes who never passed and gotten 12,000 points. <laughs> he has 26,000 points and is a pass-first dude, which is amazing. James is a scorer with unbelievable vision. And, uh, and, and also, Kevin really took, took the challenge defensively. Like, if you went to Kevin, he would come to you a lot of times and say, this guy's hot, let me have him last four minutes of the game. I'd, you know, or otherwise, I'd say to him, come here. Don't get any fouls now because I need you at the end to guard whoever yeah. it is. And I want you guarding them with three fouls, not with five fouls. So, so you know, just, hey, if you got to let someone go by, do it in the third quarter because at the end, we're going to win this game. You know how it is, Max. You win a lot of games if you're a good team against other good teams in the last five minutes of the game. And you better have your top defenders on their top offensive guys. James didn't like that. Uh, James didn't like that, um, that dynamic. He, would, you know, he was not going to say, let me go have LeBron. Whereas KG would look at you and say, I got LeBron, I'll stop him. You're thinking, I don't know if you'll stop him, but I like the, <laughs> like we were dumb enough to say, I got that guy all the time too. We did all the same thing. Max, guy get hot. I remember you saying, I got him. I remember thinking, hmm, I'm not sure you got him. That dude's on fire. <laughs> but it was, it was much more of a mindset. And KG had that mindset of just kind of, like I say, scores are different, man. And I, there's nothing wrong with scores. You need scores. But KG and, mm. and from you know, mentally, we're in, coming from two complete different spaces. KG actually got as happy for you scoring than he did as he scored. His team scoring was, was yeah. what it was. James wanted to put up some numbers, and he did, and he does. I I see the way that James kind of, and you in Houston, that the way he left Houston really just soured the way guys are almost forcing them themselves out of situations now to other teams. I mean. How, how do you think, how do you feel about that? Yeah, you know what? I, 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 I don't like it, honestly. I just think that, um, and I, I have nothing wrong with free agency. I have nothing wrong, but to not play hard and, and, and go there and just say, ah, this team sucks. You know, I'm only going to give a half-assed effort. 
that, that kind of stuff. I, you don't do that. If you, hey, man, if you leave, there's nothing wrong with going to. I don't think there's anything wrong at all. And I had to happen as a GM. Guy would come in and just say, look, I don't fit here anymore. Or I want to change. I want to do that. Everything is quiet. I get on the phone with other GMs. You try to make a trade because who wants to have guys there that aren't happy? Who wants to have yeah. guys there and say, we can't win here? You know what I mean? And so you do it. But, boy, not to go public, Max. I just think there's yeah. some things you can't go public with. I just think that that just – it, it just, it, 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 he, okay, he had a hell of a run in Houston. I think he got to the conference finals twice, you know. And it, it, bottom line was, there were just teams better than, than the Houston Rockets. Like, we, we played Golden State in the conference finals my last full year there as a head coach. You know what? We played them hard. They were better than we were. I mean, you know, we fought like hell. We had a couple of games we could have won. We won one game. We probably should have won two, maybe three. But at the end of the day, you know, you got done with that series. I was like, man, th- th- that team is tighter than we are. Their offense, it moves, just passing. Steph and Clay, all the movement has the defense, you know, on tilt all the time. So they were better. So James had a good run in Houston. It shouldn't have ended the way it did. Now, now he's going to end up spending all this time, Max, trying to um, patch up that patch up that breakup. You know what I mean? And it, it didn't need to be that way. He just needed to go in there quiet, come out, come in shape, bust his butt, play great, and then move him. And then everybody would say, okay. And at the end, you know what? There's nothing wrong with after everything's done, Max, to say, no, I went to management and I'm just, I, I want to win a championship and this is where I wanted to go and this is what I did. So I, I think also, you know, it's, it's like I laugh. It's like the teams we played against, like it would have been hard for me to go play for Philly after all the stuff that we did against them. You know what I mean? Like, like you know, you guys were my guys. And I had so much faith in our ability to beat people that I was like, Hey, let's line it up and play. Like, I like my odds, man. Now, you know, you, you guys might be better on paper. You might be, but you know what? We got some stuff here on this group that doesn't, paper doesn't count on. We had heart. We had the ability to scrap. And, you know, like I, I, will, I will tell everybody, like my first year in the league, what I noticed from you guys, like I wasn't capable of putting multiple games together. You know, I just, I just wasn't defined enough and refined enough as a player. You dudes would have two weeks for where you'd be the best player on the floor. Then like, Robert would be the best player on the floor for two weeks. Then Larry would be the best player. All of a sudden, Tiny would have a 10-day period where I'm thinking, Tiny's 22 again. Like, what's he doing? <laughs> and you guys just carried the team for long periods of time. And I wasn't capable of doing that at that time. And I think that gave us so much confidence. Like, you were the MVP in 81. Someone asked me about that. I said, I've seen Max be the best player on this team for two weeks before. This isn't the first time I've seen Max just get on a roll. I said, these guys are all capable of getting on rolls. And so that's why with that team – it would have been hard to leave that team. You know, like if you just said, you can go to some team that, you know, supposedly is better. I'm not sure anybody was better. They might have had more talent. But, we you know, we found ways, man. We, we won games. I'm telling you what. We won games. And I didn't say anything as a rookie because I just thought the, I thought the NBA was like, like it. I thought everybody was a genius. I thought everybody knew how to play. I thought, you know, I, we'd win games. I'd sit in my locker after a game. I said, damn, we were down five with a minute eight in the game. And we won in regulation. I'd be like, you know, in college, hell, you lose that game by 10 because you foul, you know, all that stuff. And we won games. You guys were amazing to me because I, like, I literally would sit there and look around the locker room and go like, how in the hell did we win that game? And so we found a way. So it would have been hard for me to go to another team, Max. I don't, I, don't, I don't like that. I think there's a way to do it. And I just think the constant guys, like Kyrie Irving, okay? Now, he was a Celtic for a while. Yes. <clears throat> The way he leaves places, you know, he, he leaves Boston, it's bad. He leaves Cleveland, it's bad. You know, you can, you can, there's a way to do it without burning every bridge. There's a way to do it with coming out and saying, hey, man, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm changing. So I don't like that aspect of the whole thing of just going out and, you know, the, you know, the super teams. Uh, you know, I mean, I, it's, it, it, it's happening. So I, everybody might as well get used to it. Cause I, you're going to see more of it because I think yeah. guys are going to say, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to win a championship just due to 
me going to play with this group of guys as opposed to, man, I got a group of guys. We did it organically. We were all together. And let's go fight, you know? You were around in Boston for some of the brightest moments and then some of the darkest moments. Lynn Bias, Reggie passing away. I mean, because I even look at Lynn Bias could have lengthened your career and Larry's career Mm -hmm. in the fact that he came in immediately and played and took some of those minutes away from you. Tell us how those dark moments really affected you. Yeah, I did. You know, it's odd because, you know, we, we, we win the championship and draft Lenny Bias. Um, and, and the, you know, the kid was just a stud. He was a horse. I mean, he was six, eight, but he great body, strong pogo stick, you know, had a nice touch. So you look at that and go, Oh, wow. I mean, fantastic. And at that point, Max, as you know, we had a hell of a run. You look at our 81 team and then all the way up through 85, we're in the finals all the time. We're playing late in the season. So we do that again in 86 draft and you know we're, we're, we're I'm, I can actually starting to feel my, my myself needing the summer to re, to recover mm. like, you know like I would get done and I'd be like damn I need to just do nothing for you know July and August because I'm, I'm, I'm tired I mean my body's beat up I think he would have helped a lot with that but I remember we drafted him met him draft night you know uh, Lynn and I were still uh, in uh, in Boston hadn't gotten back to our lake home yet and um, all of a sudden two days later I'm driving in the car and Lenny Bias died. And I'm like, no way. I'm, you know, you know, you think, yeah, a joke. You know, I mean, there's just no way Lenny Bias died. Guy was a horse. And you know, I went down to I went down to the Celtics office back then, you know, back Red's old office when it was at the old garden. And I went in there and I and I, and I, I said, what, how, how can this be? And he, you know, and right away I said something weird happened. You know, I, my first thought was you got in an accident or something like that. But, you know, I, I didn't think drug overdose until much later. But I remember telling Red, Red, that dude just didn't die. I mean, I, I just, there's something odd. And, you know, then it was so depressing because then that's all, that's all everybody talked about. We won a championship and all everybody talked about was poor Lenny. And, and it's, he's right. What, what a shame. And that hurt. That really did hurt, I think, Larry and I's career. Because the next year is when I broke my navicular. And just started kind of, I didn't, I really wasn't hurt till 87, 88. Then I never was healthy after that. So um, he would have really helped. And then Reggie was a friend of mine. So Reggie was really odd. I, we were playing Max, we're playing uh, Charlotte. Reggie goes down and I, I run over to him, you know, to, I'm going to give him a hand up because he's kind of sitting there. You know, you get dazed. You know, you know, yeah. a guy rips through and hits you on the chin. No one else sees it, but you're like, just, you know, you're like a rubber leg. Yeah. You're like looking around. I thought, man, he must've got clipped. So, but he's, I, I went, Reggie, okay. And his eyes are just like, you know, he really looks distant. And I, I, I said, oh man, you got your bell rung, dude. You know, I, so I'm, I'm telling Eddie LeCert, Eddie, you can, he, he got popped in the, in the head. And that was the last time I saw Reggie. And next thing you wow. know, yeah. And, and the next thing you know, he's not in the locker room. He goes to the hospital. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm retiring that year. That's my last year. And not thinking that, that it could be that bad. And same thing, Ed Lesser called me up and he said, I, I think Reggie died. And I said, what do you mean? He said, he was over at Brandeis shooting and doing some stuff. And he, and, he, and he fell, he collapsed. And Eddie rushed over, someone called Eddie and they tried to get there. Then Eddie got there and the medics had already taken him to the hospital. But I think he was, I, I think he was gone by that time. So Eddie was like, we were all shook up. It was, it was a shame. Reggie was such a good guy. And you know, Reggie was when I tell the stories. I tell a lot of guys that I, that when I GM'd and coached, I said, "Man, you're going to get an opportunity. 
It's what you do with that opportunity that's going to determine your league. So Reggie really didn't get an opportunity because, you know, Larry was playing. Wait, man, Larry, everybody got hurt. I mean, there was like six of us that could play. And Reggie, Reggie just was one of them. So Reggie comes out in the first court, first half, and he's tight, man. You know, he's, he's just, you can just see, he hadn't had a lot of time. He's tight. And he just, you know, so after the game, I said, Reg, come here. For the next two, three weeks, man, just go out there and just play. Because there's, the coach can't even substitute for you. Hell, we're all going to play 40 minutes because we have nobody left. <laughs> and he had 22 points in the first half of the next game. And I literally, he walked by me and I was like, who is this guy? And, every time, and I'm like, I've, I've seen some flashes of that in practice, but not like that. I mean, he was lighting up good defenders. You know, Reggie did that pull up and he did that little fade and he jumped about that high off the ground, and he was six seven with crazy long arms. He was just shooting over the best defenders in the league. And I was like, damn, that can't be that easy. And he got his chance. And I tell people all the time, you're going to get your chance. What you do with it? And I'll tell you what, from that point on, Reggie never got off the floor. He stayed on the floor after he got that chance to play. Because he, man, he, he lit it up. I, I say that when I when he walked by me, half time I was laughing. I slapped him on the ass. I said, who is that guy in your body, man? I got the invasion of the, he got, he got some sort of, something invaded you. He just laughed. He was really a good guy. And uh, what a shame because, you know, I think Reggie could have bridged. He was young when I was retiring anyways, but he could have bridged that next gap for the Celtics because they had kind of, they kind of went into no man's land for a while. And then, you know, they, they got, they got it saved. But yeah, uh, Reggie and uh, Lenny were just both surprised, M- much more for me. It, 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 it hurt me a lot more on Reggie because I really knew him. He was, and Reggie was really a good guy. I mean, really a tremendous guy. Now, I never heard Reggie say a bad word about anybody. He would, I, I mean, it was amazing. Like, we were all MFing somebody at some point. And <laughs> Reggie, never, Reggie never said a bad word about anybody. Just a really wonderful guy. Guys, I uh, just want to take a second and talk about Marigold. Uh, with their stem cell uh, research, has been amazing. I went and did an evaluation, and I ended up getting a, uh, a shot. And uh, I'm hoping right now I'm going to be back on the court. These guys were brilliant. They communicate well. They give you an education on what it's like. And that is what really, to me, won me over. Because not only were they going to give me a procedure, but they were going to educate me about this procedure. And in learning and, and, and being comfortable, that is how you get well. And that's how you become partners. And uh, my big shout out to those guys. They did a fantastic job. Check them out at marigoldmedical.com. I um, take you to even the brightest spot, away from all the darkness. Talk about the Lakers and the series that we had and just how competitive we were. And Kevin McHale, as great as he was as a player, will always be known as the guy who clotheslined <laughs> Kurt Rambis. And, and that is just a, a funny story because I always remember like ML goading you up over there. And, and we had had a practice before that where we said nobody was going to get any layups. And, yep. you know, that, that was just kind of, people asked me, said, how did Kevin do? I said, of all the guys on that team, <laughs> he was the last guy that I expected to go ham and close line to do coming through the lane. <laughs> and it galvanized us as a team. And okay, Laker fans, Laker team, you want to kick ass, take names, let's fight. Let's do it. Yeah. Well, it was funny. You had a great comment uh, after after the, I think it was game three. Uh, 
you looked at me and go, man, we got one chance. They run themselves to death because they were going up and down the floor. <laughs> I kind of look at you. I go, oh, man. I said, I hear you, Brad. It was just, I mean, they were up and down on us. Yeah, we had the practice. Casey kept on saying, I'm tired of layups. Everybody, I'm tired of layups. It, 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 it just kind of went over and over again. And, of course, they started out the game doing what they always did. They're running up and down. And like I say, my only regret, honestly, it wasn't worthy or magic or someone better. It just happened to be, it just happened to be Kurt Rambis. And um, <laughs> I just was like, no layups. I was like, I'm not, they're not, I'm, whatever happens, there's not going to be a layup. So I just went, I didn't even think, you know, normally Max, well, you and I, you know, we were pretty good defenders. We made plays on the ball a lot. Guys yeah. would come in, try to slap it, you know, or challenge up top or get our body in the way. I wasn't making a play on the ball. I was making a play on him. You know, I was like, ah, screw it, you know. So, yeah, we do that. And then everybody gets going. And what people forget to realize is that, like, maybe five minutes later, Larry and Kareem are going nose to nose. Yes. And they're screaming at each other, MF and each other, left and right. And I kind of went like, ooh, okay now. We got, we got something going here. And then, you know, we didn't play great in those games. But we offensive rebounded the hell out of the ball. Oh, yeah. And we – kind of just imposed our will on them, Max, because yeah, we didn't shoot the ball that well, but we were just throwing it up there, getting it, throwing it up there, getting it, throwing it up there, and getting it, just throwing people. The referees quit blowing the whistle. We were just throwing people out of the way, going and getting offensive rebounds. <clears throat> and we won that series just because we were just because we were better on the boards than they were, you know, and we just kept on getting the game closer and closer. And then in game seven, you know, you had a great game. And um, we just we, we, we did what we always did. That's why I tell people. I said, Max had it going. If Max had it going, we're going to get him the ball. If Robert had it going, we're going to get Robert the ball. It was kind of who got it going. Yeah. That team was not a selfish team. That team was a very unselfish team. You know, you got to go on match. We won in game seven. Honestly, were they probably a better team? I, I, I would say a talent wise. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. But we had a, we had a toughness level to us that we could yes. go chase the ball off the board. You were hard to box out. You were just slippery. It was hard to get, it was hard to get, like I had to learn how to three quarter and, and, keep keep on you because if I just did the standard turn and go you were always going to the side of me I'm like that guy's tricky and you know and Larry and I I tell people this people don't how strong that guy was like Larry would come into you and grab you and just be like I remember the first time I'm guarding him like damn that guy's strong and Robert was just clever too I get in the office so we had guys that get the offensive glass and hey Danny and DJ were both good rebounders I mean they would come in there so we had we just we just kind of just just hammered them on the glass, but yeah, they, that was that was fun. That was unbelievably competitive. I went back and looked at um, they had this you know the thirty for thirty, and boy, you forget, man. I mean, it was it, it was crazy. I mean, it was fun, and we had such a tight team that that's what I tell everybody. We had such a tight team that it was going to be hard to break our bond. Like you weren't going to get us fighting each other. We might yell at each other and have, you know, little things like that. Like, you know, you know, like you said, like you and I would play against Robert and Larry and there was a lot of shit talking going on over there. I mean, there was, and there was, you know, and it, it got, it got intense at times, you know, so we weren't afraid to do that to each other. But when the game started, we were all on the same page. And I'd like to say something about Robert before we go on. Robert might've been the most disciplined, not make mistakes, in the right spot every single time. It was amazing. That dude defensively just did his assignment all the time. And offensively, he just read. He just, you know, it was funny. I tell people he was so, 
he was just so dependable. It was just like Robert was like a clock. You just wind him up and he put him out there and he was going to get 18 to 22 points. He was going to get 10 to 12 rebounds and he wasn't going to make, and he wasn't going to mess up. It wasn't throwing the ball in the third. He was, you know, he was, he was, he was just an amazing dependable guy. And I was lucky to play with him for 12 years. And that's what I always think about Robert. I always think about, man, that dude was just, so dependable. It was just amazing. But I think on that team, that 84 team, we had a lot of guys that was, you know, that, that we, we all depended on each other too. And when we weren't, you know, and, and, and like I say, you got hot in game seven, but whoever was going to get hot was going to get the ball. And, yeah. and, and that, that was the fun thing about that team. So we had multiple people that could go off for a 15 or 18 point quarter. And that, yeah. that, that helped us a lot, Max. How many games were, where we had nothing, but one guy would have a 17 point quarter and just keep us in the, keep us in the game. And all of a sudden the fourth quarter, we started making shots. Our defense picked up and we'd win the game. Had no chance of winning that game unless, you know, you or myself or Robert or Larry or one of the guys didn't you know Danny or DJ had, just had a big quarter to keep us hanging around. So that was a, that was a fun team, but that Laker, that was special. Man, that's that that you know of all the basketball I played, that was about as um, about as special as it gets. Because you know I played against Magic in, in in college, and you know the whole thing. And I I know for Larry, winning that thing was big too. After Indiana yeah. State, Michigan State, yeah. he didn't say much, but I tell you what, you could, you could just tell he was like, okay, I got you now, <laughs> I got you back. People didn't realize how. I want to say that Magic really motivated. Larry to be even better because I remember many days going to practice and first thing Larry would be, be, you know, reading the paper to see what magic had done with the late box scores from, you know, what the Lakers had done on the West coast. And it was just, those two fed off each other with an anger. And when they got together, we were in the, the, the most amazing quiet storm. I always say that when we played the Lakers in 1984, Basketball was basketball, but I don't think I got any better than that seven-game series, just the physicality, mm-hmm. the the thinking, the uh, art of talking shit, uh, <laughs> you know, fighting. It, 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 it just, it was, I'm like you, as much as I love when we beat Houston, I always thought that it was even better when we beat the Lakers because yeah. of the nature of the two teams and a guy we idolized, we, we, you and I love Kareem. We were yeah. like, we were Kareem junkies. And then we hated James Worthy though. We, we hated <laughs> his ass. And even today, I always talk to people. I said, James Worthy right now, when the Lakers beat the Celtics, and James Worthy would light up a cigar and go, got some of that Celtic ass again. I mean, it's just, <laughs> still, we cannot get by it. I had an incident where we, we, we did a, I think it was like the, before Kobe, we had a, a game in, in, in L.A. and Kobe's passing. And, and we had a, a, a thing where myself, Kurt Rambis, uh, was Michael Cooper, and Brian Scalabrini were there. And we were, the first picture they show on the screen was the choke of you <laughs> when you grab Rambis. And everybody started booing. That was so funny. But what I'm saying about all this is that we, I really laugh because who sticks their head in the door? We're having this meeting, you know, it's a big little conference before the game. Magic Johnson sticks his head in. Oh, I didn't know you guys were having a meeting. Oh, Jeannie, I just came down to say hello. I came down from my suite. I was like, and then he gets on the stage and walks in. (laughs) 
takes the mic, walks up to me and wants to shake my hand. I said, I'm not shaking your fucking hand. I'm not. I'm not doing that. And he's like, no, you got to show me love. I'm like, really? So it was, there's still, like, I want to say still animosity. But it, there's respect, but there's still animosity between the, the players from that era. Yeah, no, no question. I mean, we, we, we got after, you know, it's funny because <clears throat> you and I, I tell people all the time, Kareem is like unbelievable. <clears throat> why, why he's not mentioned every time they say the best player ever is crazy. I mean, you know, that, that guy, that, that guy, he swung shots on me. That guy, hook, I just was like, come on now. Fading away, <laughs> going to the corner, 15-footer. And I'd be like, I got nothing for that. I mean, I, I got nothing. I just, you just hope he misses. <clears throat> and, you know, Worthy, who really is a great guy, James Worthy, you know, I, I met him. He's a really good guy's guy. an asshole. He's we an asshole. We couldn't stand him. It would be hilarious. <laughs> It'd be hilarious because we couldn't stand him. <laughs> but, you know, there was something about that. And also, you know, at that time, too, um, the league was really kind of building around um, Robert and, uh, excuse me, around Larry and Magic. You know, it was always, you know, Magic and the Lakers and Larry and the Celtics. And so that is, they built it up, man. And so, and David Stern did a great job. Like, you know, he, he, you know, God bless his soul, man. He got us all, everybody paid. And these guys today, we missed out on a lot of those paychecks, but the guys Ooh. today, the guys today are, 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 are doing okay on it. But they, you know, they, they actually, they took the league. So every time we played, that was a massive buildup. And, and, you know, rightfully so. Those two guys at that time were the, were the face of the league. And they had played in the 70, uh, 79, NCAA finals that was like an unbelievably watched thing with Michigan State, Indiana State. So there was just a buildup. And I thought David Stern did a great job of using those two guys and their teams and everything to kind of propel the league. And I tell everybody, there's three people that propelled the league, you know, with Larry, Magic, and David Stern. I mean, they, they, got, they got the television ratings going. They got, do you remember, Max, our first year? It was taped late. We played Houston and we won in the finals. And you had to wait, you had to stay up to 11 o'clock at night just to watch the game. Hell, by the time you, by the time you got to watch the game, it was three in the morning <laughs> and it was taped delayed. And then think about 84 when we play again in the finals. It, it, it's, yes. Time. It's how many, how many people, how many reporters were sitting around like the side of the, you know, like when you went to the court, there was, there was hundreds and hundreds of reporters in 84. You know what, Mac? There were reporters and there were also, fellow players, guys yeah. on other teams. Because I remember Isaiah being there yep. and Mark Aguirre being at the game. And it's, when you think about players who are there watching you for that final game, you know that that's, that's, I don't think that anybody can realize what it's like to play a seventh game when you know that the marbles, somebody's going to be crying and somebody's yeah. going to be laughing. And, and just the intensity in our locker room that particular day yeah. to me was – what was massive because we walked in as you said we all you know we all joke we all laugh that was that was pretty much our locker room you know comedy of arrows you know we we loved that but that day it was a different vibe about that particular game because it was a seventh game yeah no question but you know it's funny about that team Mac that vibe that we had would happen in the fourth quarters of game tight games too we come to the bench it was quiet like we'd sit there and you know bill fitch would be writing up and we all kind of sat there and we had a different vibe in tight games like like it, and it was funny because we all got quiet we were all yapping and crazy but at that time we all got really quiet and there was there was we all just looked at what we had to do you know we got it let's go let's go let's go execute it so there was a really quiet confidence about that group i, I remember being with you guys again being <clears throat> being a rookie and 
you know, coming over there. And, you know, and when game got tight, man, it was cool. You looked around like, okay, ML got the game face on. Max got the game face on. Robert, Larry, everybody's got the game face on. And that, that whole, that whole uh, thing coming to game seven, we all had our game faces on. I mean, it was just going to be. And I, I really felt that at that time, the game had gotten a little bit more physical in our favor, had gotten a little bit more rough and rugged. It wasn't just a track meet, thank God. And I really thought, you know, if we can just, we, we're going to win this thing. We just got to, we got to make sure we take care of, you know, don't give them any seconds and let's get as many seconds as we can. And we just kept throwing the ball up there. And I don't think, you know, you, you had a, you had to go on. I don't think we had a lot of people really, I don't think our numbers, we didn't have like, I shoot a great percentage. Actually. No, we did. We just kept, we just kept going, getting, getting the ball and battling. And that was a feeling of, I remember after we won that thing that we really accomplished something. You know I mean? That was like, man, you know, if you just said after game three, were we going to win that series? The, the Vegas odds were like zero and to come back at that team. But, but you talked about the quiet confidence. That's what I always liked about that team. And, and you know, every once in a while, you, when I was coaching, you'd get with a team that would get that. You get the right five group of guys, man, you'd come down for two minutes. They were all locked in. They weren't going to make mistakes. And we didn't beat ourselves. That was one thing I learned too from you guys is that, don't beat yourself. And that ML used to always tell me, look at, I tell you what, they'll give us this game if you just allow them to give us the game. Don't, just, just, just they, throw the ball to your teammate. Don't throw it to them. That's what they always tell me at the end of games. And it's amazing how many, we did not make mistakes to beat ourselves very often. If we, it, that would be very, very seldom do we beat ourselves. Teams beat us, but we didn't beat ourselves. And that was fun. And that was kind of what the, the thought I had going in that game seven. I was like, well, these cats are going to have to beat us because we ain't going to beat ourselves. And uh, How does... Uh... How is the guy who didn't play as much ML Carr influence the game as much as he did? Because no. I keep hearing there's a there's reoccurring theme about hearing ML and just you know him chirping and what he was saying and this is what I'll do to a guy and it, it's just just maddening when I think about ML Carr as first of all he was playing a lot and then his minutes went down but he still affected us in a very positive way. You know, one of the most positive teammates you could ever have. I mean, ML Carr, I, I tell you what, he's, he's one of those foxhole dudes. Because when the fight starts, you want ML in your, in your foxhole with you. Because, you know, what? once the fight starts, <clears throat> he's willing to do anything. He's willing to knife you, <clears throat> hand grenade you, <laughs> bomb you. I mean, he's, ML is going to do whatever it takes to win that when you're in the foxhole with ML. And you felt that. You know, Max, you felt that a million. I felt that all the time, that man, he was there with you. And he may not have been playing as much. But we put him in for defensive situations. We put him in for different times where, you know, he needed – I remember how about he gets a steal in one of the games. And he, we were walking back, and ML looks at me and goes, headlines tomorrow in the Boston Herald, ML Carr yeah. steals the game. <laughs> <laughs> and he played like five minutes, you know. Uh, and, but, you know. But M would go out there and take defensive assignments. I mean, you know, when, when, when M, especially when his minutes were at what they were earlier when he's playing more, the coaches say, ML, you got this guy. I'm like, I felt sorry for that dude. ML had no fouls. He's going in with an attitude and he's going to, he's going to beat the hell out of that guy. So he just, he affected a lot of us. I tell everybody, he was, you know, I, I tell everybody, you know, you and he for, from just talking and helping me out and stuff like that. You know, Robert was really positive. Robert never said a bad word about anybody. Another great guy, you know, but most of Robert was playing against him. Just kind of his game. Same thing with Larry. I just learned stuff from them, but you guys were much more vocal in helping helping us young guys out, you know, and, and, and I, I, you helped Danny, you helped myself, 
you know, ML did. I was so grateful for you guys for doing that. But yeah, ML, he was funny. He plays play three minutes and he'd get the headline in the paper. ML Carr, ML Carr wins game. <laughs> did, did, I, I, I really remember this and people always tell me about this story. It was when we first got Danny Ainge and we were playing Hellenic College. And I'm on the podium and Danny goes, he starts shooting. And I'm over there yapping his stats out every time. One for two, one two for five, two for six, two for 17. I'm like, by the time the end of the day, I had got like, I think he only made like three shots out of 20. And I'm over there like, why do we have this guy? What are we doing over here? Yeah, Danny, Danny came in and I felt bad for him because I, I came in a couple of days later of training camp. Danny came in in December. Remember that? We, we, our, our team was pretty tight. We had won the championship the year before. Danny comes in, leaves baseball, and Bill Fitch was tough on young guys. And he was killing Danny. So Danny had no confidence. I mean, Danny, you know, you know look, look, look at the one thing Danny could really do was shoot. Yeah. And, and, and plus, he was a freakish athlete. Like, how fast was Danny? Danny was so yeah. fast. And I'd be like, well, you used to always say he was a white-black guy. White-black. And, <laughs> and uh he, uh, he would just run and do stuff. But that poor guy felt so sorry for him. That's like the story we talked about earlier. You helped him out, man. You sat there and shot with him for like 45 minutes after practice one day, just pumping him up and getting him going. But Danny had a tough start with us just because there really wasn't room for minutes just to give him time. And we weren't losing games. You talked about game seven in Boston. I remember many games like, you know, toward the latter part of the season, maybe with 20 games to go, we'd be playing, and it would be a bad call. And I would look at the referee and say, man, you got to get your head out of your ass. Like, you know, and he would, he would look at you and go like, you know, I'd say, we're trying to beat the Lakers. We're not trying to beat this team. We're trying to get a better team, better uh, overall record than the Lakers because I was already looking at them, and who's going to get game seven? <laughs> who's going to get those games? So Danny didn't have a chance to really kind of just flow into getting you know, come into a bad team and just flow – he earned everything he got. And I mean, I, I, I'll tell you what, I respected Danny's work ethic because he did not come easy. And Bill Fitch was on his ass. He and was absolutely. He battled and brutal. battled and battled and battled and battled. But at the end of the day, Max, I think one thing you'll say about Danny, he's a battler. I mean, that's what he is. Yeah. Dan, Dan, Danny's a competitive dude, man. He just never got down. He just kept fighting. And he earned his time. Um, you know, and, and actually, when, when Red made another very good trade, when he ra- traded Gerald Henderson, you know, to, to, to kind of open that spot up for Danny. Yeah. And, um, you know, that ended up being, uh, you know, a, a, a great trade. I think that, I think that was Lenny Bias. Um, yeah. Bias pick. So, um, but Danny did a great job of just kind of persevering through. Cause I'll, I'll tell you one thing, when, when it was your time to have Bill Fitch in your, in your ass, it was oh. not a good time. I mean, he would stay on it for a couple of days in a row. Then finally he would just, I'd be so happy when he started yelling at you at practice. I go, thank God he's <laughs> off me. He's been on me for two days. <laughs> And then I always remember Chief one day, Chief, Chief, you, you was, it was Chief's turn, and he was yelling, all of a sudden Chief goes, that's it. That's it. That's motherfucking it. That's it. And he just starts saying, that's it. That's it. And I'm like, oh, shit. And it was like, it was like a volcano was getting ready to go. And every time, because you know how quiet Robert was, every time Robert would go, that's it. That's motherfucking it. I was like, oh, man. And he went off, and, and we were at Boston Garden. I remember it because, I mean, Robert just went off. I was like, whoa. Like, Bill kind of tried – Bill and he went and sat in the stands. Like, you know, and I think – and after that, he did not 
jump Robert nearly as much. Yeah. That was up to you and I that that way that we get yeah, that. We, we don't take the weight, man. Robert blew up. That was I was like, oh boy, when Robert got that man, I was like, oh man, I've never seen the big fella look like this. Wow, <laughs> you know, Kevin, I'm, I'm gonna move a little bit, and and we're almost done here. But I want you to tell me what's going on right now with you and Turner. I mean, that situation you're in now, and the guys you're around. I love when you run these roundtables talking to different players and you know and and the way they respect you and look up to you as champions and you know and but then you see Charles Barkley as great as he was not to win the championship they're always down in Chuck for whatever reason that might be like you didn't win Shaq will just bury him you know yeah you know you know that uh, just working for the whole Turner Sports thing you know NBA TV TNT that that, that they, they were great people there and they, and they were really fun to work with but yeah, you know, it's, it's funny, Max, because I think, you know, you, we were doing it and we loved to play basketball and um, that was the best paycheck we were going to make. No one's no one paying me anything near that to do anything else in my life. So it was fun. And you don't realize how many of these young guys we really affected because like, you know, you talk to these guys and, and, and they, they will go like, oh man, you know, my high school coach was saying, you got to watch the Celtics, you know, got to watch that team, how they play together, blah, blah, blah. So it, it, it was really interesting because yeah, there was a... Um, I didn't. I just didn't realize we affected that many people. C Web, C Web idolizes you. I mean, yeah. when he when he talks to me, he'll come to me and he will search me out and see me. He'll come up, man. Let me tell you what Max said about you. And and <laughs> he goes on. You must have filled his head with so many different things. It's astounding to me. Yeah, it was. Well, he, I just you know it was fun because I I just kept on telling him I said you know he kind of came into a team that wasn't that good and I said I just came in the opposite thing I came into an established team, and I learned how to win and I said and it, it Max uh, if you've got talent you know this if you've got talent and you're willing to take twenty four shots probably ten of them are bad shots you're going to get twenty plus points yeah but it's easier to get points than it is to win I, people look at me and they think I'm crazy. Oh. Greg, Greg Anthony used to always tell me, no, because Greg, I said, that's because you weren't talented enough to go and get your point. I said, I said, you know, and Greg's a good guy. He's my buddy. And I say, yeah. I said, no, it's, 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 it's easier to put up points than it is to win. Mm-hmm. Winning is the hardest thing to do in the NBA. And, you know, so I came in the winning thing. So with Chris, I always just talked about my experiences with you guys and how you guys taught me and how you guys held me accountable. And when I messed mm-hmm. up, I'm not afraid to jump my ass either. I mean, many times I got to the bench and now Bill's going to yell at me. I said, I've already heard it from Max, ML, Tiny, Larry. I, I, I messed up the coverage. I, 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 I got it. You know, because by the time I got there, you guys had walked up to me and said, hey, Rook, you know, you got to do this. Or, hey, Kevin, you got to do that. So you guys helped us. And, you know, and Chris would always be like, man, I, and I said, Chris, I wish everybody could, every good player that had talent could come up in that type of thing because you had to earn your spurs with you guys. Like I said, when I started off, I wasn't better than you guys. I, I could get it going inside of games and doing stuff. I wasn't able to do two weeks like you guys were of just playing at a really, really high level. I, you know, as a rookie, you do a lot of this. And this was really fun. This sucked. You know, this, 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 the bottom sucked. So I talked to Chris a lot about that. And so, you know, it, it, yeah, it was really interesting. He knew so much about the Celtics. And then we talked, and I would tell those guys, I said, man, look, you know, David Stern, Larry, and Magic, and they, they, they turned this league around. We were not getting paid the kind of money that, we're, that you're getting paid today. That was kind of the start of it, Max, where the money started going up and everybody started making a little bit more. So it was, it was, a, it was a fun uh, – it's a fun group with, you know, they, they, one thing I love about Chuck, Chuck just lets it go. Chuck, Chuck doesn't care. He just lets it fly. He's got no filter whatsoever. And, you know, he just, he just lets it go. And everybody gets mad. And, and it's, it's, I will say one thing about today's players. 
they seem so sensitive. Like, wow. if he, you know, I mean, every time someone says something about him, they're like, well, he hurt my feelings. I'm like, dude, if you played back in Iowa, you get more than your feelings hurt. Lonnie Shelton hurt your head. <laughs> and, uh, and um, you know, it just, it just, it was, it was, Max, there was no consideration of like everybody's feelings. It was funny. Like I remember the first time you guys were in, on the bus, we're driving. I said, you're playing Tonk. And I said, what's Tonk? And ML looks and ML goes, well, Tonk's the game where black guys take white guys' money. And I said, oh, that sounds like something I should get involved in. <laughs> and, and there was just, you know, there was, you know, we talked about race all the time and stuff like that, but it was more yeah. of it like, like that. Like, you know, I'd say, okay, so let me get this straight. I get in the game and I give you all my money. He goes, yeah. I said, okay, that's, that sounds like a hell of a deal for me. <laughs> and I, it, there, I tell people nobody, this story, Kevin. We nobody was, thinking, you know, nobody was sensitive. Yeah, the fitting of where I'm going was, I remember the time when, uh, and I told the story a thousand times, and I, I don't know if you remember it, but I remember the time we were in Salt Lake City, 1980, uh, New Year's Eve, and here I am trying to drink these drinks with you and Larry called Grey House. <laughs> it was vodka and cramp, no, it was vodka and grapefruit the, juice. The old, vodka oh, grapefruit juice. And I just remember you got, and we, I told somebody, we went to a place. And you won't believe this, but in Salt Lake City, we went to a restaurant called Southern Plantation. Me, <laughs> you, and Larry, and, and and Durod, a bunch of people sitting around, and you know, you guys. I was I was feeling woozy because I always said Larry was weaned on you know uh, beer, so he was <laughs> immune to whatever. But I remember feeling so bad, and the joke you guys played on me, I still today like I. I, I was down in my chair, laying down almost in the table. And I said, okay, I'm not feeling good. So let me get up and let me, you know, take a swig of this Southern tea and it, it's going to calm me down. I didn't know that you and Larry had spiked my drink with this. <laughs> just put like two or three, four nips in it. And I took a sip of this stuff and I just went, I had to go out and feed the animals. But I will never forget, you know, you guys. For that one joke against me, it was it was unreal. So we, we I remember we went out that night, yeah. And so we decided we we're gonna drink Walter Davis's Grey House. And so we go like, yeah, we were sitting there. We go another round of Walter Davis's, and so we had those we had those Grey House going. And then you you wanted some iced tea, so we got a New England, we got some Long Island. Got, it's just loaded with booze, and then you oh. And oh. you were just feeling queasy, anyways. You took one sip off that thing. I think you went out the door and you threw I, up. I, did. I, I went out the door. I fed the animals. Well, Kevin, you know, I, it's absolutely a pleasure, man, having you on this podcast. And, you know, I wish nothing the best for you and your family. And uh, uh, before I go, you know, is there anything you want to say to the Boston family or, or your, your people here in New England? Because you're still a legend here in this, this organization. So do you have anything you want to say to Brad and, and the team? You know what? Yeah, just hang in there, you know. And, 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 and you know, the guys, you know, the players – Man, make each other better. I just think that if, if you get a bunch of guys that are, are committed to making each other better, you make yourself better in doing that. And if you have talent, it's going to shine through. Like, you know, you look at – if you have talent, you're going to find a way to get the ball in the hole. But can you make it better for others? Can you – extra passes. You just make your teammates better because that's special. And, 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 you know, finally I'll say that, man, I, Max, just thank you for all the stuff you've done for me my, my career. I, I, you know, the reason I tell people all these stories about you and all the things I say because you helped me so much. And you were so gracious and so just a good friend. 
And, you know, that was the thing is that, you know, we come from completely different backgrounds, but we all ended up being really good friends. And that friendship meant more than anything, really. I mean, it was that that friendship carried us through a lot of stuff. And, you know, uh, that made that made that that made that those teams special, just this, the friendship. And uh, it was um, a great learning experience for me. And, you know, Boston, I, it was a great time to be in Boston. You remember in that 81 championship, you know, Boston was going through some tough times, too. Remember, you know, they just this unemployment. There's a lot of stuff. Then 128 corridor mm-hmm. hadn't been built up yet and all that stuff. And by the time I left, Boston was a happening city. But when I first got there, man, they needed that championship. And that 81 championship was kind of like the kind of like the whole New England championship. And they, they supported us. And I had fun. It was just it was an amazing group of guys um, that got together. And it's funny in our life now that we're in our 60s, you know, that's four or five, six years together. But I will tell you one thing. I think about those four or five, six years. Yeah. Mac, before I I do have to ask one other question before I let you go, because I asked this of everybody and it's kind of tough. You're building, you have a Mount Rushmore of sports. Kevin McHale is building in his backyard. You got four people you can put on that Mount Rushmore. Who are those four people? Wow. Well, doesn't have to be basketball. No, doesn't have no. to be all basketball. It could be anybody. Yeah, I would say Muhammad Ali, first of all. I just think okay. he was just an amazing fighter. I mean, you look at his prime, and then he comes back and he's whipping ass, and he's, he's, he's already he's, he's, he's past his prime. Just, you know, Muhammad Ali would definitely be one. Um, wow, that's, that's so hard. I mean, you know, you, God, you, we talked about it. It's, it, it's like you got to have a basketball player there because basketball is such a huge thing, you know. Bill Russell, Kareem, you know, Larry, uh, Michael Jordan. It's so hard for me to just pick like one one of those guys. And now, now here's the New England thing. If you're just talking about football, just playing football, how does Tom Brady? I mean, he just won. He just won another Super Bowl at 43. <laughs> at 43, Max, we were trying to nurse our, our aching bones, man. That's just amazing, you know. And 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 you look at that thing. It's it's so hard. That's like when everybody says, you know, name your top five basketball players. It's so hard because there's so many people that I look at that are so deserving of of, of that award. But you know, I would say that there's a few like you know, um, like I say, Muhammad Ali. I, I put Tom Brady just from football up there. Yeah, that guy, you know, won like crazy. And then I don't know, man. There's all, you know, I'm, I'm an old hockey head. So Wayne Gretzky, I mean, you look okay, at that, okay, you know, but no okay. one likes hockey. So how do you put them up there? No one, no one watches. No, no, this, this is, this is your Mount Rushmore. So I don't yeah. even care. It's like, this is, this is a question I've asked several people. Serena yeah. ends up being on my Mount Rushmore oh. because she's the greatest female athlete. I think yeah. of our times and just what yeah. she was able to do. Yeah. It's funny. Cause like, you know, until you mentioned her, you never thought of her, of course. She's a phenomenal female. That's like, there's been so many athletes in our life. And to think, Max, that, you know, that we were actually able to be professional athletes and do what we did, man, and, you know, and just be talkative. And they had, they, had a, um, they had a damn series about us, the Celtics-Lakers, and uh, all that crazy stuff we went through. And just thinking about the stuff that we were able to accomplish. But, you know, the nice thing is I was able to accomplish it with you guys. And that, 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 that really meant as much to me as everything because – Again, you guys, you guys influenced my life, and from that, from that, from that start eight, uh, in the fall of 1980, Max, I became through you guys and with you guys. I became a GM. I became a coach. I did color team. I did a lot of stuff, but it was all involved yeah. in basketball, and it was all stemmed from that fall of 1980 when I went to Hellenic College, saw you dudes, and called my friends at home and go, "Let me tell you something." 
you guys suck. I'm playing with guys that know how to play. You guys stink. Okay, just you stink. I, I don't know what I was playing college ball with you guys for. You guys stink. You guys are just great players. And man, that was just so much fun. And just just think, you know, I'll, you know, along of a along of a run we've been on is special. And and you know, I'm glad you're doing the. I'm glad you're doing the radio. You do great. I listen to you all the time. I listen to you on my F. My, whenever the Celtics are on and they're at home, they keep you guys on there, and I like it. You know, just just fun. So I just you know, I, I getting back to what you said. This this Celtics team's much better than their record. They just got to start playing for each other and find that thing inside you that says, "Us winning is way more important than me getting." Wow. Up. And wow. you know, it's the we before me, man. And 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 the other thing I'll finish with. I told this to everybody. I learned it from you guys. If you can't enjoy your teammates' success, you're in the wrong business. You need to go play tennis because then yeah. you're by yourself. Then you can yell at the linesman or do whatever you yeah. want. But if you don't enjoy your teammates' success, you can only go so far. You know, because I, because I, if I didn't enjoy, you know, your success, we, we're not going to feed you. I mean, we're going to go like, oh hell, I'm, you know, Max has got enough. You know, we're not going. But enjoying each other's success. It, it, it's fun, man. I, I, I still remember games like Danny first started getting off. And I'd be like, I slapped him on the ass and said, I had a baby dad. I knew you had it, didn't you? And, you, know, and, and you, you enjoyed other people doing well. And it's a, for me to be able to celebrate playing with you and Larry and Robert, and DJ and Danny and Henderson and Durod, our good friend. I'm so glad you called me during that whole thing. It was so sad that Durod. Yeah. And Durod's another guy. Think about how many stories we have with Terry Durod. And, he, and, and people wouldn't, wouldn't even know he was on our team. He never played. But I know one thing, beach. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, you are off now. Thank you very much, man. And, uh, you know, enjoy yourself. And, and don't be a stranger, my brother. You got it, man. Great talking All to you, right. Max. Thank you so much.